Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, is it working? Do, can you guys hear me? Yes, no? <laughs> How about now? No? Oh, there we go. Some of you are like, you know, I've been to Renew a bunch of times, and does the stuff ever work? No, but that's okay. I think it disciples us to realize, and it reminds me that we're not here to put on a show. We're here to meet with Jesus. Amen? I um, wanted to say welcome back to the women who were on the retreat last weekend. Can you just like, yeah, wait a... I heard God did some really good things. Um, for those ladies that didn't make it out this year... Um, you need to go next year. We, we just continue to hear good things about what God has done. Um, so thank you to uh, Margie and Cindy and Cindy and Janice for your teaching and the way that you all led the women of Renew. Well, you just got me in so much trouble. Oh boy. Uh, and my lovely wife. Uh, So we we, we just started a series on holiness, The Last Gathering. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but when I jump into stuff, I get excited. And I really want to live into it. And so this this past, the past two weeks, I've been really working on being holy. I'm terrible at it. I mean, like, terrible, terrible. So my favorite was Wednesday. I woke up. uh, I had, like, this amazing quiet time with Jesus. Uh, praying and just sensing God's presence and he's speaking things to me uh, just in my life about the stuff with my heart that's going on. Uh, not my physical heart, my spiritual heart. And uh, as, as the morning be- progressed, it was walk to, National Walk to School Day for kids. Anyone, did any, any families do that with their children? Anyways, my kids were excited. Kylie was out of the house at like, gosh, eight... 15. Normally, it's like we're dragging them out at 8.55 to get them to school. And she was playing. We have this old rickety um, handrail on our front stoop. And so after having all this time of praying and being very intentional about being with God, uh, my, my daughter breaks it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So, you know, luckily I did the good dad thing. and said, it's okay, darling. We'll just prop it back up. So we propped it up. And then, you know, Mayor takes the kids. Well, I had a doctor's appointment that day. So... Uh, I ran out of the house and I got in my truck and I realized, oh, I forgot my, my script. So I run back in the house and I'm coming out. And as I come out of the house, I kind of, um, the door kind of knocks me into the hand railing. Well, the hand railing is not attached to anything. So I, with the hand railing, fall into the bushes. And there's, you know, there's like mulch all over my side. It's in my hair. I've got it in my beard. And I'm just, I literally stand up. I pick up the stupid thing and I slam it down on the bush. I'm so holy. Lord, help me. <laughs> but it's, and, it, and it's interesting. There's also a disclaimer that I want to make. Last gathering, Jr. started uh, our entire talk with a quote from a buddy of his from South Africa. Uh, this pastor was having a, uh, um, he, was, he was working on a sermon in a coffee shop and this man came and said, uh, I've accepted Jesus into my heart, but how do I get him into my penis? Um, and then Jr. talked about nakedness a few times and training naked. I want to make a disclaimer. Renew is not going to start a, a nudist colony. Um, for those that may have been thinking, like, what's going to happen if that's not happening? We just wanted to make sure that you all are aware. But as a community, we need to take holiness seriously. 
We have to remember, as we sang this morning in the call to worship, that our God is holy. And that He's called us to be holy. And holy means different and set apart and unique for a purpose. I'm convinced that if Renew became a place where we took holiness seriously, I think two things would happen. I think Renew, number one, would be messier. And I think the second thing is we would be a place where there was great freedom in people's lives. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open up to the book of 1 Peter. Um, we, 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 we read a section of this at the, at the first gathering that we did as we talked about holiness. I want to expound, expand upon it a bit. Uh, we're going to start in verse 13. So here, here it is. There, therefore, with minds that are fully, uh, that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, "Be holy, because I am holy." Since you call on a father who judges judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through Him you believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him, and and so your faith and hope are in God. And now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. Amen. The word holy is derived from an old English word, halig. And halig means whole. And what we have to understand about whole and holiness, something goes together with wholeness and holiness. Many of us, as we think about the word wholeness, we have to get under this idea, and we sang about it earlier, um, and it's important for us to see that. God in Himself is a Trinitarian God. And so what that means is He is one person, but He is three. And in that, He is not fractured. He lives in this perfect relationship of unity with Himself as the Father and the Son and the Spirit. He lives in perfect love as the triune God. He is three in one. He is whole and He is holy. And so we as people, as His creation, as it says in the book of Genesis, that we are made in the image of God. And I love the passage, it says, and God said, let us make man in our own image. God doesn't say, let me make man in my image. So even in the very beginning of the story of God, we see this understanding of of wholeness and community and unity together. And so God makes man In his image. And in his image, we are made to be whole and holy people. 
And so what that translates to is that we are meant to be people that reflect God's wholeness and God's holiness. We're built for relationship. We have this thing in us where we, we long to be with other people. That's a God thing. That's something that God has, has placed in our hearts from the very beginning. And so what holiness looks like for us, because the, the problem is, is when sin enters the picture, holiness is dashed. When, when Adam and Eve, when they, take, when they take the forbidden fruit and they eat of it, the first thing that they do is they realize that they're naked. And they try to build stuff so they can hide their shame and their guilt. And my friends, we do that relationally with our friends and with our families and with the people that we know. When we've done something wrong, we hide. We figure out ways to hide. But the beautiful thing about a whole and holy God is He doesn't let us hide. He chases us down. I love Adam and Eve. They're, they're hanging out in the garden and uh, they're hiding. And God goes, why are you hiding? And He says the question, where are you? But we all know that God knows where they are. But He asks the question anyways. And that's the question of that I believe that holiness asks us. It asks us, where are we? Where is our heart? Are we present with God or are we not? And holiness also leads us to a place where we decide that our lives need to be gutted and made new. All of it. Um, we, we bought a house last September in Lansdale and we, we just, we've loved living in Lansdale. It's been fantastic. It's been really fun. But what hasn't been fun uh, was the first month uh, we had to gut and restore a kitchen. Has anyone ever gutted and restored a kitchen who's not a contractor? Right. Not many of us. <laughs> like, you, why would you do that? Um, that just is foolish. And one of the things that's difficult about gutting anything is that you may think that once I gut it, I'll just put this in and everything's going to be fine. But when you actually get down to the studs and the places that you need, you realize that there's a lot more problems, right? And all the contactors in the house said, Amen. Um, and that's what happens. Because the moment we rip stuff apart and we get to the point, we realize like, oh, shoot, this electrical stuff is all bad. My whole kitchen could burn down. I need to address that. Well, holiness is essentially getting to the place where we, we allow the Lord to gut our lives, to rip out all the stuff inside, and to begin the rebuilding work that He is so able to do. And it's scary to think that the goal of holiness, although it seems terrible, it's a beautiful thing because God is saying, I want to gut your life and I want to make you into the person that I've created you to be. And I appreciate these kinds of thoughts on holiness However, many of us, we have a completely different mindset when we think of holiness, right? I mean, I say holiness, you think, you know, people start, go ahead, shout out a few words, just one word. I, I say holiness, you say? Perfect. Purity, what else? What else? You guys, are, you, guys are, you guys are way too spiritual. I'm thinking like boring, terrible, hard. That just shows you I'm really struggling with this. Um, Tyler Braun, in his book, Why Holiness Matters, uh, he says that we were taught that holiness is something we become by not dancing, drinking, having sex, or watching R-rated movies. If we could avoid these things, then we would be holy. For many of us, that is what comes to mind. Maybe it's just me. For me, that's what comes to mind when I think about holiness. Um, it's the list of don'ts. Don't drink, don't do drugs, don't dance, don't cuss, don't smoke. Don't have sex, don't think about sex, or don't have dancing because that could potentially lead to sex. Uh, don't date girls or guys that do any of those things either. 
Um, and, and I'm from a tradition, I, I w- and it's, it's a great tradition. I was part of the Nazarene tradition for 12 years and 11 years. And um, I learned a lot about holiness. It's a holiness church. Some of you are like, man, I don't even know what that means. And here's, here's what I'm learning about what it means, because I really fought against it. Because to me, it felt like it was a bunch of do's and don'ts. It actually was a bunch of don'ts. And I really struggled with, you know, like, why would a church want to be known for what they don't do? And as I looked back into the history books of where the church started, this, I found something beautiful. And I love that. I love when I can look back and find beautiful things. Um, so the Nazarene church started in the slums of L.A., literally on Skid Row. Uh, Phineas Brzee and some of these cats that he was hanging out with just felt this call to, 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 to find the, the, the alcoholics and the struggling and those that were just not doing well and to see God enter into their lives in radical ways. And so they kind of started this way of saying, you know what, contextually and culturally for us what holiness looks like is if we're going to be reaching alcoholics, we can't be alcoholics. Like we can't be drinking. And so like I love that. So what translated then to 2010 as a punk kid was these guys are so lame because they don't want you to drink beer and they don't know how good beer is and God makes beer. When in reality, like they actually had this beautiful thing of recognizing that we're going to lay something down for the sake of someone else because we really feel that God longs for them to be in wholeness and holiness with God. And so I've been repenting all week as I've been looking through a lot of these things. And although the don't list is good and it's, it, it's, it's, able, it's able for us to follow measurable goals, um, and that, yeah, they are good things to avoid, um, this thinking on holiness alone, just the things that we don't do is flawed. Because holiness is a life focused around God, both internally and externally. Um, holiness is new affections and our new affections begin in the heart. And it's our heart that is transformed by the love of Christ the moment we say yes to Jesus. And I love how God doesn't leave us alone, but it says in His Scripture that He sends His Holy Spirit to empower those that believe, to begin to change their lives. And as J.R. said last week, the more that we love God, this is what a transformed heart looks like, the more that we love God, the more we begin to hate what is evil. And I, I want you to listen to the warning that John writes to the church of Ephesus in Revelation. And, and, and listen to this, my friends. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. Way to go! Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will not come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. See, holiness begins in the heart. And and what, what John is writing, what Jesus is saying to the church of Ephesus is you guys are doing all these great holy things, but you've forgotten that it's about love. You've forgotten to let your heart be transformed, to let your affections be transformed And I hold that against you and it's time to repent. 
And so if holiness is about new affections and it, and it begins in the heart, holiness is also about having a huge view of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus, that you are a sinner, that you are a sinner, that I'm a sinner, and that, and that we can't be with God, but God made a way by the death of His Son on the cross, by His blood and His body broken for us to be made whole again, to be made holy again. So we have to have a big view of the gospel as we think about holiness. Because what it is, is it's recognizing that I didn't have to stand on that cross to be on that cross and die. Jesus did it for me. Holiness is Christ who lives in me and through me. Not me trying to white knuckle all these things and try my best to not do the things that I shouldn't do. Because when our hearts are transformed, our minds and our actions begin to follow. And so where does holiness begin? And, and I wish we had more time to unpack this last gathering, but holiness begins as we confess. And uh, one of the things, one of, my, one, of my, one of my heroes is a guy named John Wesley, and some of you have maybe heard of him, some of you may have not, but John Wesley was a preacher in the 1700s into the 1800s. He started this denomination called Method, the Methodist Church, but kind of by accident, but in a beautiful way. Um, and, and John... John had this beautiful idea around holiness and sanctification, and we'll get into, we'll unpack that word some other time, but not today. But the way that he looked at holiness, he used to use the word perfection all the time, and it would just turn people off. They're like, oh, you can't be perfect, what the heck? You're like, I can't believe this guy's talking. And so his words were, were, were misconstrued. Because if, if you looked at his life, his life was not perfect. He had problems. His marriage was terrible. I mean, his, his nose, if you ever, his death mask is over at Jew University. Uh, and, and his nose is crooked because his wife hit him in the face with a rolling pin. And literally, like, his death, it's like, whoosh, I mean, it's a hook, like, bend it like Beckham kind of hook. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. But the one thing that John did with, with, with the guys that he was working with is they would get together, and Nathan Schultz actually did this. One of our Renew Families uh, folks did this over Lent this past year. They met and they confessed. And so Wesley would meet with his buddies... And he, he, this was the question. It's kind of morbid, but it's kind of beautiful. He would say, how have you sinned? And they would just sit with that question. And they would confess to one another. And they would begin to, they would begin to work in, in, in just amazing ways because they would see the things that were hiding and the little fig leaves that we're trying to make to hide from God all of a sudden were, be, were being destroyed in the light of the Father. You know, we see this in our culture, uh, you know, in AA, in, in SA, in NA. There's something beautiful that happens when you stand up in front of people. You say, hi, my name is Doug. And everyone knows, like, yeah, he's a sinner. Or like, yeah, he's an alcoholic. You know, hi, my name's Doug. I'm an alcoholic. And everyone says, hi, Doug. There's something magical that happens in that moment when we confess, hey, this thing that you see on the outside, there's a lot of stuff inside that you may be missing. Uh, a few years ago, some men in our community decided to take some things pretty seriously in regards to their sexual sin of pornography. And the first question that came out of that group was this, and I love this question. Do you believe that God can change us and move us beyond our struggles with pornography? And that's the question they sat with. And that, to me, is amazing and beautiful and, and hard and challenging. But confession... It calls us to come out of our hiding. We have to understand that sin is powerful and its pull is real. 
And what sin does is sin's whole work is to destroy our lives. It breaks apart our relationships. Uh, Sin breaks the relationship that we have between us and God, between us and uh, ourselves, the way we view ourselves. It also destroys the relationship between us and others around us and the way that we look at the world that God has created. But I love that our God longs for relational wholeness. And so he doesn't want us to take sin wantonly and just be like, well, that's just a little sin, it's no big deal. Like He longs for us to hate sin the way that he does. And that's kind of an uncomfortable thing to talk about in today's culture. Because we're sort of in a place where it's like, well, sin's okay. Like, well, don't, don't come down too hard. They're just struggling. It's like, I get that, but God hates sin. Like, he hates it. And so what do we do with that? And here's what I love, because some of us can interpret that, well, if he hates sin, then he must hate me. And like the beautiful thing is, and what we need to rejoice about is, yes, God hates sin, but he made a way because he loves us so much to bring us into right relationship with him, to, to fix the fractured relationship in the way that I view myself, to fix the fractured relationships around me, and to fix the wholeness and to make me whole again. And holiness is not this spiritual idea of pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps but it's surrendering and falling into the arms of a merciful and gracious God. And my friends, like I want us to know this morning that we cannot be holy on our own strength. It's possible. Can't do it. We can't do it. I'm thankful that sin is not the final reality of those who place their trust in Jesus. And that many of us myself included, need to, need to learn and we need to fall on our face and say, God, I'm, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness and I need help and I need you to help me move outside of that. Because I really believe, lastly, that holiness is freedom. I really believe that holiness is freedom. Romans 6 says this, says, what, then shall we, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law? But under grace, by no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one that you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart to the patterns of the teachings that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So I want us to take a moment. Imagine your life free from sin. Just take a minute, close your eyes. What's that thing that you continue to come up against? That place where you continue to stumble and fall. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine what would life look like if I was freed from that. If I was freed from the guilt, if I was freed from the shame, the truth is, is some of us as we sit here with our eyes closed, we actually think there's no way I could ever be set free from this. And one of the things that I love 
is that I know that there are people within our community right now who are being set free from their shame and from their guilt. And that God is doing a great work because they've decided to surrender, to throw up their arms and say, I can't do this anymore. I cannot stop running. I cannot stop pretending. I, I must stop this insanity. And the truth is, like, that's what holiness looks like. It's messy. It looks like messy people who are in trouble most of the time, figuring out, running back to Jesus, running back to community and saying, help me, help me fix this, help me figure out what to do. And our role as community is to point people back to Jesus. Not to give them, here's, here's the 15 different things that you can do that will help you get better. Yeah, sometimes we need to stand in the role and say, you just need to stop doing that. Give me your computer so I can bash it against the rocks because that's a problem. Give me your checkbook. I'm going to hide it from you because you keep spending money on stupid stuff. There are moments when we have to do that, but ultimately and realistically, Jesus is the one that changes us. Because again, my friends, our behaviors are not the problem. It's the symptoms inside. And that's what holiness addresses. That's what God's holiness addresses. He says, I want to change you from the inside out. Imagine our lives cleansed by God and our affections changed and our lives lived in freedom and in response to a holy and holy God who loves us and has brought us into his light. Just imagine that for a minute. See, my friends, this morning I want to challenge you and I want to challenge myself to this. I think, I think that as a community we have... We have let sin creep in in ways in which have not been healthy. And it's not the big stuff. It's the little stuff. And I, I get the sense from God that he wants, us to, to, he wants our posture to him not to be like, well, God, I kind of earned that, or, you know, like, it's not that big deal. But I get the sense that God wants our posture to be on our knees with our arms open saying, God, help me. I'm a sinner. One of my favorite holiness prayers that I've been praying over and over and over and over and over and over again for years is called the Jesus Prayer. And it goes like this, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I just say it over and over and over and over again. It's an old prayer. Some monk somewhere invented it and it's beautiful. But what it does is it continues, it continues to remind me that it's God's work in me, forgiving me, changing me, making me holy. And so my challenge to you this morning is this. I want us to spend a few minutes in silence. And that thing that came to your mind when I said, imagine your life free from sin, what that sin was, I want us to give us a few minutes of quietness to spend some time confessing that to the Lord and to surrender our hearts to Him and allow Him some, some time to, to, to begin to do the heart work. So I want to just give us a minute to do that. So Lord, we think about what Peter pens all those years ago to be holy because our God is holy. 
And Lord, we confess together that we have, there are areas in our life that need to be transformed. There are, there are dark spaces of our soul that we think we have hidden so well from you and from others. But Lord, you are walking in the gardens of our soul saying, where are you? Come out. Lord, I ask for courage that this morning some of us would come out and we don't come out to an angry God with his hands crossed with a big stick ready to beat it out of us. But we come out with a loving Father who loves us and invites us in and has called us to be his own who takes the wounds that we've received from our sin and covers over them with His beauty and His mercy and His love. Lord, may You remind us this morning that holiness is about freedom. It's about a list of what we get to do, not a list of what we have to do. So Lord, I I ask for freedom in this place. Lord, as, as we get ready to respond in, in, in worship through song and in communion, may you continue to mess with our hearts. May you bring that sin that we're hiding front and center into our lives so that we cannot deny it anymore, that we can't walk away, but that we actually look at it in the face and say, I don't want to love you anymore. I want to love Jesus. So Lord, I pray for freedom for us. I pray for that freedom for myself as well. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.